Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes, this is the community for you. So thank you for joining me on this podcast. I'm delighted to have four people with me today. I'm a bit disappointed that I haven't got a woman other than me, but I'll have to do some work on that. So can I just very quickly, can you just go around and just say hello and and introduce yourself? I'll start with uh, Chris Hutchings. Hi, Chris Hutchings, uh, Chartered Surveyor in the residential uh, market and um, yeah, work for Allied Surveyors and Valuers. Good to have you. Then we've got Jeff Hunt. Hello, yes, uh, Jeff Hunt. I'm, I specialise in pre-war listed buildings. I run my own practice in uh, Somerset and I've basically been on various different boards and uh, it's a pleasure to, to be with you on the podcast. Yeah, and you presented our, our recent Survey Hub Live. Um, I did, yes, and it was uh, it was great fun. Yeah, great fun. Yeah, cool. We went down the mine, didn't we? We did go down the mine, and that's the that's the first time I've ever been down a mine. To be fair, <laughs> and I, yeah, and I've never seen Phil Parn. I'm so happy <laughs> to be down a mine in uh, Wakefield. Hello, Phil. Hi, happy. So you, you caught me looking happy, did you? Okay. Yeah, it was rare. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Okay, I, I'm uh, Phil Parnham. I'm a director with Blue Box, building survey by backgrounds, but spend most of my time training and, and writing and working with RRCS and others to uh, produce various standards and guidance. Great to have you. And finally, we've got Alan. Hello, Alan. Hello. Yes, Alan Appleby here. I uh, run a small family uh, practice now just concentrating on residential survey and valuation work up here in Staffordshire. My background is, is the sort of bit of an old-fashioned general practice surveyor you know, through the through the old-fashioned partnerships and and then building societies and such like. But um, now that it's it's uh, it's my daily work, which I then take with me to help in training through Blue Box for SAVA and RSES and various other maybe direct firms themselves. And uh, just to throw it in the mix, I'm a part-time director of a manufacturing company. So that's been very interesting in the current circumstances. I bet it has, yeah. Have you had lots of requests for weird and wonderful signs? Well, interestingly, we decision to immediately close all operations on the first day that the lockdown was announced, put everybody on furlough. And we brought, ev- well, no, we brought 80% of the workforce back today. And are working 18 hours a day in split shifts, producing materials and specialised stuff for other companies to permit them to start the reopening. Uh, For example, a perspex screens for agents, offices, because we have connections with the property industry, floor stickers for motorway service outlets, uh, you name it, everything that's got to help to get the country back at work in a safe manner we are able to supply so we just throw in everything at it raw materials are a problem but it's complicated all the workforce are all two meters apart plus and they're in split shifts so that there's not too many of them there at one time it's what a set of challenges quite absolutely so sometimes you know it's it's good to step back into the relative peace and quiet of surveying (laughs) anyway yes sorry yeah, no, I bet. And, and I guess you've got real insight there of actually what it's like to be in a building doing a job. And then also, as you say, being a surveyor. And I'm really um, pleased today that, oh, pleased to say, I've deliberately got you guys on today because you all work for small businesses or for yourself. And that's one area that I think is really important. That I mean, it's, it, for us at Blue Box, it's our market. It's the, the tribe that we like to look after. But also, I think it's one that's often overlooked and they don't always get a voice in the industry. So I was quite keen to talk about not just physical inspections today, but also from an SME's point of view. 
Now, this is a really difficult topic to talk about because as soon as we start talking about anything, guidance changed. And literally, as we've started to record this podcast, we've had some guidance in from government, which for the first time mentioned surveyors. And we've had a quick look through and we still think it's okay to go ahead and and talk. Uh, But it's likely that some of the things we'll talk about today might be out of date. So for anybody who's watching, watching or rather listening on replay, do check the latest guidance. And also... Everything that we talk about is just, you know, it's a friendly conversation between us as to what we think. It's not set in stone. You've got to get your own advice, all of those caveats. This is just a conversation about some of the things that we're seeing and some thoughts around it. So the first thing I'd like to talk about, and I guess it's the one of the big ones, is PPE and the whole sort of health and safety matter. First question I've got for you, how do we approach a risk assessment of this nature? And I'm going to start with you, Phil, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's interesting that the risk assessment, I'm not a specialist health and safety risk assessor, but I suppose what I've been turning my mind to, it's a bit like several conversations myself and Alan have had, is, is first of all, how do you minimise risk in the first place? And I suppose in the run-up to this point of returning back to uh, physical inspections that seems to be happening on Wednesday, is, is there's been very little development about using this time to reappraise what we actually need to do physically on site. It seems in this mad rush that I am fairly clear is driven by corporates who probably want to get a march on their competitors I think that's pretty clear to see. They're they're just seeking to try and to make the physical inspection that we've always done safe or safer, rather than saying, well, actually, do we have to do physical inspections in that way? Or, or, or are there alternatives? So, so in terms of risk assessment, I, I mean, that would be my sort of opening statement, really, in that sense, is, is I would have rather seen, can we get the same sort of information? Can we provide lenders with the information that they need uh, to lend? Can we begin to get, in a measured way, information about the building that purchasers can use in their purchase decision? Because there's a lot of information that we can find about a property now that can help with valuation. We've seen some firms talk about virtual inspections, the whole desktop valuations, etc. Things have moved on in uh, in years, haven't they? But valuation inspection is very different from a from a survey inspection. Alan, perhaps you could you tell us a bit more about that and the differences you see? Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, point and certainly the level of detail and the time that you spend at the property and the responsibility and the liability chains are notably different when you're inspecting on behalf of a lender for a, a loan security purposes and they appreciate and are part of the risk assessment process in terms of risk attached to the valuation such that that's why they still persist with physical valuations. If, if, they, if we didn't have a worth in the physical valuation, we would have been replaced by ABMs or artificial intelligence plus ABMs completely. I mean, we are 50% replaced by them, but the other 50% would have gone by now. So there must be a merit, I think, partly in sharing the, partly in sharing the risk and partly in ultimately the building is the security. And therefore, it is only sensible for the auditor in that position to have seen that the bank is taking appropriate steps to check the security. Now, looking at it from that point of view, one one can possibly even look at these issues of having the applicant internally doing photographs and this sort of stuff. And you think, well, that's jolly good. As long as there's the lack of deception, as long as there's an a capable competence, but let's say it's a buy to let and there's only a tenant in there. Well, the tenant doesn't give a monkeys and is not going to spend an hour walking around with a camera, waving it at certain things, checking that the pictures are right. It's a different motivation. Uh, but I think a lot of that can be dealt with, as Phil suggests, possibly more remotely, possibly with different levels of detailed inspection, as long as the lender client is happy to understand that. Now, you take it on to a 
you take it onto a purchaser, right? The first thing is, are they going to be are they going to be happy that I've not seen inside a property? Are they going to want a consequent discount because I've not seen inside the property, even though I'm probably taking a greater risk in giving them a judgment based on an external only inspection? That's a really difficult square to close. And so I believe that we are looking at where possible, certainly in the short term and possibly the medium term, at creating the safest possible environment for us and the property owners, occupiers, and is still allowing us to physically look at the interior of the building. There are so many questions I can ask you about that right now, <laughs> but I'm going to bring it back to PPE and health and safety. Let's talk about what measures do we think we need to put in place? So there's really mixed messages I think out there at the moment and I think there will be for some time over what is suitable PPE how far do you go do we wear you know full kits and visors or will a safe ma- um, a face mask suffice let's have a talk about PPE and in particular I guess why some parts are, of it are important and Jeff when we were speaking I think it was a couple of weeks ago it might have been we talked about I think it was you, crikey. It might have been Larry Rusin. Sorry. I think it was you about asbestos. <laughs> yes. Asbestos. Yes. I, I, I've had experience of managing asbestos when I worked for a university states department. And I think this is where, where I go back to thinking, where have I sort of come across this? And this is, is a contamination issue. Uh, when you think of all the types of risk assessment you have to do, working at heights, working in confined spaces, loan working, really this one is, contamination it's it's, you know are you going to become exposed to um, an agent which is going to do you some harm the interesting thing with this one is that some of the answers could be well actually even if I became contaminated I might not be harmed at all I, I might just have no symptoms whatever and pass happily through it so therefore, the next risk comes is, well, what, what risk do you then become to other people that are at risk? And I think this dimension is, is quite important. But to me, the, 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 physical, the physicality of, of going through things is how do I separate myself from that perceived dangerous environment? And I think for those who've not done risk assessments before, um, when you look at health and safety, HSE guidance for things like asbestos, they talk about action levels. And in fact, things like asbestos and this virus is floating around all the time. So you are going to come in front of it. You're like you're going to bump into radioactive rocks. You know, these, these things are all around us. And I think the, additional, the, the addition to me really is, again, with all the other types of risk assessment in construction, you try to keep the public away from you. That's one of the things you do. It's, it's how do you protect the public? Well, if we're going into someone's house, we are going into their environment and and that's a that's another dynamic so it's not just a case of putting ppe to stop whatever's in their house getting into you but realistically if you've got if you are the hazard how are you going to prevent yourself from being the hazard to them and the obvious thing that the first thing that i think is shining through is this is this distance it's you stay away from people and to me that's that is the key one and that's actually quite difficult when you think about it you know, for things like picking up keys from the estate agents to having a chat with the vendor at the doorstep or outside, you've got to take into account the weather. Have they got children? How are you going to manage those people? They they will become part of what you need to manage. Are they going to have to, are they, can they not move out of the house? And if they can't move out of the house, are those people a bigger risk? Because when you walk in, if you are the bigger risk to them because they're vulnerable, you can't go in. And so that that starts to build up a matrix of, how you can look at the type of PPE. I've seen construction workers walking in um, supermarket malls with full PPE on next to members of the public. Mm. And, and, I, and you think, and when I, when I ran a workshop, I said, I said, you are the last people that make the last health and safety decision. And if you don't feel confident that you can do that, then you come back to me. Because if you can't make that final decision, then everything is wasted. So I think it is. Everybody has to be able to work it out. Don't just rely on your employer. Don't just rely on, oh, well, I've been given this, therefore I must be safe. It, that's, not, that's not what's going to happen. So 
I, I think the key thing is, what I always say with health and safety is, you've got to be able to come back tomorrow. And with this particular incident as well, is you've got to make sure that you don't, you don't become the risk yourself. And that is the slight difference. So I certainly think the distancing, I certainly think gloves can act, can act as a barrier. But again, you've got to be careful of those. If those become contaminated as well, are you aware of how you take them off and when you take them off? Because if you take them off incorrectly, you've, the minute you've taken one glove off, you're likely to contaminate your other hand. So, And these things about not touching your face, I've, I've been practicing this. <laughs> you know, it's very difficult <laughs> to not touch your face. I wear glasses, and so I, I, I am now getting into the knack of just nudging my glasses with my arm. I don't, I don't push them up with my fingers, and I try not to, yeah. It's this idea of you using your arms rather than your hands. So I think your hands are probably... And, and washing hands. So one thing I've been thinking about is whether, whether I'm going to ask if I can go into the... If, I, if I'm going into the property, will I be able to wash my hands with my own soap and with my own towel, which I will then take away with me in a sealed bag so that when I leave that house, I then place everything that might be at risk in my car inside a bag and this is this is again this is down to asbestos training i suppose you double bag everything so when you when you see the house the minute you walk out the door you're walking out of that contaminated area don't carry that contamination into your car but i think the other thing about it is you can't see it this is the other thing you you can't you just can't see it and that makes it even more difficult and i i think people do get scared about these things but you could get scared about asbestos. You could get scared about radon gas. You could get the most, one of the most risky things you're going to do is drive to the site. You know, the fact that you've got there alive in your car is quite an achievement in health and safety terms. It is, but I guess with all of those things, there is a, a known and a rule book in that we have the highway code. And yes. we know about asbestos now. We can identify it and the likelihood of it being a certain type in a certain place. And so there are some certainties. And I yeah. guess where we're at right now with the virus is that there aren't as enough certainties and no. there's a lot of uncertainties. But that will start to get better as the testing happens, as you know, we get you know better with um, with diagnosis and areas and the app, et cetera, if that takes off. And and yeah. I think that's part of the worry for a lot of people is yeah. is, is the unknowns, isn't it, right now yeah. as we as we record this, the unknowns. The testing, I think the testing will help a lot. I, I would feel happier if I was able to have a test. But as somebody pointed out to me, well, you could have a test yesterday and you could catch it tomorrow. So, you know, it's it's not that easy. This this is this is a reduction game. There's no cure at the moment. We are simply trying to stop this contamination from spreading. That's the only weapon we have. We don't have anything else. And so we have to try to apply what we've learned in, in other risk assessments because, in a sense, that's all we know. But, but the one thing I, I would always say to people is if you're given PPE, don't assume that that is just what it is and don't assume that it's your employer's you know, business to just look after you. you. You've got to look after yourself. And if a situation doesn't look right to you and they can change quickly, you know, if you walk into a house and suddenly you find six people in there, when you were told there were only going to be one, then you have to stop it and you have to get out. Because if you suddenly realise that the hazard has suddenly jumped, and I, and I think uh, less experienced people, uh, they struggle with that sometimes. They say, well, you told me I could go in. I said, yeah, but the circumstance changed almost immediately. It's a live process. And I, and I think that's what the advice I would give to people always be aware of what is happening and, and just keep judging it and if you're not happy turn around and leave that would be my advice you're absolutely right there and I see I used to see a lot of the time on complaints and claims that surveyors didn't trust their gut instinct that something wasn't quite right and I can see exactly the same the same thing happen Alan just a very quick uh, anecdote of an actual um, occurrence just before the lockdown I had arranged to collect keys which I did safely from an estate agent, social distancing, and then cleaned him as I picked him up. I've used a lot of the work I've done just before the lockdown and just after as a practice of how disciplined I can be with gloves, masks, tools, cleaning, so on. And I, I think it's great that what, what uh, Jeff has just said about trusting yourself, about just taking this as another risk assessment. We are trained risk assessors. This is what we should do on every survey all the time. It's just another hazard for us to manage. However, went along to this empty house. There's three relatives there clearing the place. 
And I just parked up and I went, well, thank you very much. I said, now I've got to manage you lot. Right? And they went, what? I said, all the doors are open and you're outside the house, okay, for as long as I'm here. You can go in when I'm not in the house, right? But other than that, you're not in the house. like this. So I'm managing three people as well as trying to survey half a million quid's worth of old cottage in a beautiful setting. It's a shame it was such a gorgeous, sunny day. I couldn't enjoy that. I was too like, where are you going? What are you doing? What's up? Oh, jeez. Honestly, if it had been a younger, less experienced about I probably would have said reverse, get in your car and go and come back when they've all gone. But, you know, you just have and to e- step up. Yeah, yeah. And equally, it could have been raining and they might not have wanted to go outside and you might have had a difficult situation to, to manage. You're absolutely right. We've been yeah. lucky so far. The queues in yeah. Sainsbury's car park, they won't be so happy two metres apart for 45 minutes when it's pouring with rain. No. Chris, what about what, what Chris? What about you? Because I know you've got some strong thoughts on this. <laughs> Absolutely. Going back to what has already been said, I think we we are all risk assessors naturally. Human beings are risk assessors. You walk down the road, you have to cross the road. You make a risk assessment as to whether you're going to get across the road before that blue car comes, or whether it would be better to wait. So this is something that we do naturally. It's just that now. Well, we, we are used to formalising it and doing a risk assessment on each and every job we do, whether we write it down or whether it's in our head, it's something that we do naturally. But we, we perhaps need to construct a process for ourselves that we feel comfortable with. You see, the bottom line about all this is if you don't feel comfortable carrying out an inspection, don't do it. Simple as that. If you don't feel comfortable with actually going back to work, if you think you're in a vulnerable group or you, you know you're in a vulnerable group, if it's uncomfortable for you, don't do it. Don't be pressured by peers or by, by clients or customers. Simple as that. But with regard to PPE, coming down to that, again, there are basics. There are things that you have to do. You're going to have to wear gloves in a house Quite often when I went into a house to do a valuation or a survey, I would take my shoes off, especially if they got cream-coloured carpets, for example. But now I won't be doing that. I'll be putting shoe covers on. You see, the problem with this virus is that it's, it's airborne and it can hang around in the air for hours. So it becomes a problem when the virus attaches itself to something, whether it's to you or to a surface, which you can pick it up from. Now, if somebody breathes out this virus it's going to hang around in the air if the air is quite still it's not going to float it's going to float around it's not going to land on anything so eventually it will drop to the floor or to another surface but one of the key things about inspecting a house is that not only do the people should the people be out of the house but they should have been out of the house for a certain period prior to your inspection And ideally, they should have left doors and windows open so there could be some ventilation. So there could be some movement of air through the house, which would allow this virus to to move on somewhere else or to attach itself to a surface which you're not going to touch. So all of these things are um, risks that, going back to managing risk, are, are risks that we have to manage. But basically, it is about your health and safety and your, the, the householders, or the occupants' health and safety. And all of these things that have got to be managed by us, basically. It's such a difficult one, isn't it? Because I hear, I hear what you're, you're saying, and, the, and we've got to weigh up the risks, and we've got to be comfortable with it. And we could say to ourselves, do you know what? No, it's, it's not urgent, whatever that definition of urgent is right now. You know, we don't want to, to make it worse, all of those things. And yet we have people who, you know, are carers perhaps or need to go into a property for, for other reasons and they're just going straight in and doing the job. And that's where I, I worry about, peer, about this sort of, I call it peer pressure, but that, that pressure to, oh, don't be silly, just get on with it. You know, but we've really got to, <laughs> to dig, yeah, you know, we've really got to dig yeah. deep to ourselves and think what is right for us to do with our own circumstances, um, our own families, our own health. And, and that's a, an extra layer of, of stress and uh, worry and anxiety on top of risk assessing actually what's a really difficult situation. 
Yeah, absolutely. But what you've got to remember is there will be more valuation and survey jobs in the future. You only get one life. You've got to take care of it. Getting nods all around here, yeah. Yeah, Phil? Yeah, I just want to pick up on the risk assessments. Is um, well, well, maybe this is my inadequacy, but I'm not a, a trained risk assessor. And certainly I haven't been trained in how to assess a virus that is probably one of the most deadliest the world has ever seen. And there's so much of the science of this virus that's actually unknown. And and um, one of the great sources of information, our discussion and opinion, I, I think that we've all got access to, well, all surveying community have, is, is the surveyor's hub. And, and I've seen um, people saying on there, oh, I've managed to get FPP3 respirators, things, uh, you know, uh, face masks. And, um, you know, so, was, uh, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll check up on that. What is that grade of mask? And I was on uh, Public Health England looking at it. And it's the sort of thing that you need to wear when you're doing bronchoscopies, yeah? And, and you know, putting ventilators in and stuff like that. It is, in fact, it's for medics and it's only effective. And, and Chris will be able to uh, uh, put me right or wrong here, uh, you know, because it's uh, part, partners in the um, NHS. But, but you need a face mask, you need tunics, and you also need to have a fit test to make sure that those masks actually fit you. And you've yeah. got no facial hair and all of that sort of stuff. But people are going in with this half knowledge, and I include myself in that. So face masks... I think, actually, from what I've been hearing today, um, is we ought to have face coverings. We ought to be clear as surveyors that we're not medics, okay? The purpose about covering our face is not to protect ourselves because we can't possibly do that. During a, a building survey, a level three, where we're in a house for two and a half, three, three and a half hours on a hot day, um, we can't expect to have PPE that protects us from any virus in there. What we can do is make sure, like has been said by Alan and, and everybody really, or and Jeff, that we don't become a risk to the vendors. And, and, and so it, it's that sort of clarity that we need. And, and sadly, it's corporates that are desperate to get out. And, and um, I'm being specific here. I'm not going to name them. But I'm, I'm, I'm blaming them for making us rush. Now, RICS has, has, has desperately been trying to provide leadership, but they haven't been able to because it's the same old story of you've got, I don't know, seven or eight big corporates who have got their own particular vested interest. And RICS have got to try and balance that up with, um, you know, their own political issues, SMEs, sole traders, the corporates, the government, you know, you, 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 you name it. And um, consequently, not so much the truth, but that balanced objective risk assessment gets lost in all of that. And it's left to us at the end of the day, because we're now an industry that is based on the corner shop surveyor, I always think, you know, the sole trader, the SMEs at the end of the day. And it's up to us. And, and sometimes we get that wrong because we haven't had access to that balanced uh, specialist scientific advice. I think for me, I see, and I take on board your comments, I see a gap between people really understanding what we do as surveyors on those inspections and what's involved. And therefore, sometimes we're not in the loop and what's, you know, what we actually do in the job isn't, isn't fully understood. But on the other hand, you know, we've got a country that must be nearing bankruptcy by now. You know, we're paying everybody's wages right now. And the, not so much the pressure of you know, some of these corporates could fold. Some of them have had really low share prices for quite some time. You know, they could fold. And that is a massive risk to the economy and to their employees. And whilst I take on board your your points, at the same time, we've got to look forward. We've got to look forward. How do we get the economy back moving safely, I guess, is the, uh, is, is the key. I'm concerned about, as I've mentioned, peer pressure. But ultimately, as, as SMEs, as, as individual surveyors, we're going to have to stand up for ourselves and decide what's right for us. And that's really hard in the midst of everything that's going on right now. I mean, crikey, a few months ago, we thought Brexit split <laughs> split the industry and, and our communities up. And this has just totally blown it out of the water, hasn't it? 
So let's think about moving forward about how we can do jobs. We've talked a bit about PPE, but there's some practicalities. I mean, we've got a list here that we've talked about of some of the things we might we might have. So we've talked about disposable gloves. How many of them do you have? Face masks and some of the challenges with, with that. Shoe protectors, hand gel. How do we know that they're suitable? It's suitable hand gel that's, that's worth it. We talked about kitchen roll earlier on, you know, and I mean, I, Alan's waving something in front of me, a temperature thermometer, mm. t- taking your temperature as you go round. Okay. That will be a new one to add to the list, Phil, as well as uh, your marble as part of a surveyor's, <laughs> surveyor's kit. You know, we talk about cling film, how you dispose of it, disinfectant spray, if it's the right one. We've got overalls, door openers. You know, whoever invented the door opener must be making a killing right now. Antibacterial wipes. You know, there's all of this kit. And then you've got how you organise your car boots, you know, having a dirty box and a, and a clean box. How many pairs of clothes and change of clothes do you have uh, in your car? All of that's going to have quite a bit of an impact to how you run your day. And whether you think you can do six jobs or not in a day, that's going to have quite a bit of an impact. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Go with Alan. Yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. Capacity must fall because time on each job goes up. And that time doesn't just go up on the job in terms of the, the preparation for the process during the cleanup afterwards. It's also the additional terms and conditions, the making sure that you've got agreement from the agents as to how I'm going to collect the keys safely. Tomorrow, I'm inspecting the property that's been vacant for four days. I only have the occupier's word for that. I have it in a text, but that's all. But at least I'll keep a record of all those things. And all this just adds time, 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 time to everything. But on a positive note, I think... We as SMEs are closer to the risk assessment decision-making process, can possibly be more flexible, can possibly be quicker to respond to a positive and negative input, such that if we aren't happy, we can do exactly what Jeff says. So, sorry, walking away, out the door. No, just, you know, maybe two calls, one call to make or no call to make from that point of view. So I think it's we have advantages being small and flexible, being the corner shop surveyor. As much as the fact that we then are, you know, ploughing our own furlough, to use a phrase I heard earlier. Um, It's just, I just think that we do have to be positive about this. There are some SMEs out there that are in a parlous state financially. And we need possibly to, to give them knowledge and confidence as much as we can to make decisions, be they positive or negative, that are right. For the circumstance, risk, risk, I've written down here, risk assessed case by case. Every case is different. You have to just go right back to basics. Who's going to be where? Where's the property? How many people? There? What's the agent? Who's? It's just a lot longer to do one job. But at the end of the day, should that stop us doing anything? Well, my view is no. But we have. if the answer having risk assessed is no, fine, don't do it. But we should make a start. And I guess one of the issues is trust, isn't it? Trusting vendors, trusting the occupier, trusting estate agents. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, trust is a big, big problem. What we have to do is to put in place our risk assessment, which will be a general one, and then that will change as we go along. So when you do arrive at the property and there is somebody in, they didn't go out, you've got to do a risk assessment as to whether you're going to carry on, as Jeff said, or whether you do turn around and leave. I mean, this is so important that you, each individual has to do what's right for them, not be led into doing something that they're not 100% comfortable with. But talking of, of PPE and stuff, you've got to be careful how, how you operate, how you proceed when you've completed your inspection. Don't go unlocking your car before you've discarded some of your PPE because what you'll be doing is transferring the virus that you've picked up onto your car as you unlock it, onto your your remote unlocker or your key, depending on how you do it. So you've just got to be so careful now to follow the procedures. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think going to a point about, you know, how would this change things? And it will go slower. There's no doubt about that. That will not be the same. 
And I think this thing about, as the individual, you are the last point. Now, I I can see that in some companies, they could have admin staff that are asking these basic questions. You could do matrices for the admin staff to say, is this in place? Is that in place? Can we do this? Can we do that? But then that really has to be a two-way process. So what you're doing is you're asking for confirmation from the vendor, who is also the other person at risk, if they are prepared to let you in. And what terms do they want you to go in? And so you do need like a, one thing I thought about is, a, is, a, is what's my people's management plan? And I would want to, to have that confirmed by the vendor that, yes, we have agreed that because there is only one of them, they can stop in one room. And we, we all feel that that is appropriate for this kind of survey or for whatever time, whatever, whatever. If you then turn up and find that that is not the case, then at least you can say, well, hang on a minute, this is what we agreed. I'm sorry, but I insist that this is done. Otherwise, I can't proceed. And I think then there is a joint safety objective from everybody. But yeah, I think one thing I do worry about is if people's if people's diaries are planned by others, that could be a risk. If somebody said, right, well, you've got six surveys today and oh, we've ticked off all the health and safety, you'll be fine. That is not a way to proceed at all. That, in my view, that would not be right. I, I would personally want to be in charge and sign off my own health and safety plans. And if it meant that I couldn't do the fourth and fifth one that day, then so be it. I mean, I'm I'm thinking maybe of doing split surveys even if the clients can't get away fast enough or stay away for long enough. You know, if that's an op- if that's an option. But I'm I'm perfectly willing to to think that there could be a point where actually no, we can't we can't do this survey. You can't get out of the way fast enough. I can't get in safely enough. You know, it, it still can't happen. And and I'd be perfectly willing to to, to see that. And I think other people should. I'm I'm in control of all that because I'm a small, I'm a sole practitioner. But I do I do feel for those people that have their days planned for them. And I think and I guess very- yeah. And I guess you know with every crisis there's an opportunity, or that we need to take advantage perhaps of of the crisis. In that you know our inspections are going to change, or the circumstances around it are are going to potentially change. And that then sort of leads us into, you know, sort of quite timely. Now it's now moved to December, the new home survey standard, and the potential for new products and services that may well come out of that. Do you think there's any scope there for for looking at things a bit differently? You know, we've been talking about virtual surveys and more information that vendors or homeowners can provide us. Any thoughts there, Phil? Yeah, and um, the nice thing about over the years working with Alan is he always keeps me grounded. So, so, so when I come out with silly ideas about getting the vendor to take the photos for you and uh, all of that sort of stuff, he helps me get balance back into my thinking. Um, but, and I know Alan is no great fan of this and has always said this, but is it the company Simply Biz that's got that little um, app that is like menu-driven of, you know, dining room? And, and it, I suppose it's meant for taking promotional photos for the equivalent of Rightmove or, or, or whatever. But, but I, I just think, um, and, and like listening to what everybody said, is if you can get as much done around the survey away from the property and and it's something we've been looking at uh, rcs's own conferences surveys in practice it's the amount of stuff you can find out about a property uh, via the internet and and so if you supercharge that a little bit by getting an environmental risk assessment and flood assessment and all of that sort of stuff before you even leave your office that can enhance that and then the next stage is, well, well, first of all, after finding out all that information, you could phone your client up and give them an interim report and say, do you want me to proceed? You know, because I found out these big issues here and they might not want to proceed or they might. And then the next stage, it seems to me, the external an enhanced external assessment, because the risk starts, in my view, when you cross that threshold. Now, if you can get around all sides of the house, if it's a semi-detached, for example, you can look through the windows, you can look very carefully using camera poles and binoculars and all of that sort of stuff. You can see external you know, features and defects. Uh, that, that then, you know, that, then there's that stage. So there's the desktop, there's the enhanced external survey. And then if the vendor is willing and able, and buy to let is the classic thing where it wouldn't be, then using the surveyor's own 
tablet or body cam or whatever directed by you they can go and look at the features you want them to look at or you know you want to and and it doesn't replace condition reports it's not got that touch and feel but the other thing is as well is just stop that there and say well let's think about the traditional inspection in in this covid19 environment will we really go rooting around behind settees Will we be getting on our hands and knees alongside beds and and putting up the duvets and and taking dummy urines? Will we be going under sinks and just moving aside a few bottles so we can feel whether the um, waste pipe is leaking when we've filled the sink up and pulled the plug out and that sort of thing? My answer would be hopefully not. So even traditional inspection surveys, call them what you will, will have considerable health and safety restrictions imposed and that's going to have a real knock-on effect for things like the extent and scope of the inspections we do the liability therefore the pi that we might have the terms and conditions that we're going to have to write i can't help thinking of robocop when you talk about body cams you know and and then even things like well like you know if we then get into you know, more interaction with the vendor. Actually, is it time for, dare I say it, home information packs and the like to be, I know it's sort of been talked about in circles with the home buying and selling group, you know, but you can just see the potential for for things to change. And I guess, you know, this is a, a time now to get curious about all of that just to get curious about what the possibility uh, possibilities are because so many businesses and so many industries have just leapfrogged in terms of their use of technology, breaking down sort of barriers and things. And it may well be that if we think widely and creatively and get curious, then, then we'll be able to uh, to move forward. Uh, one thing you've sort of you've sort of all talked about is the time it'll take to do this. What do you think SMEs should be doing about fees? You know, actually, because if you put your fees up and did some less number of jobs a day, that doesn't sound too bad, does it, Chris? Well, I think that there has going to have to be some adjustment on fees. And just before I say that, I just wanted to make another point about something practical that any of us can do, SMEs uh, as well. And that's when you put in place your procedure for your inspection and you tell the householder or occupant what you want them to do, and you've you've put that in writing to them beforehand or when you've made your appointment, on the day you need to ring them up an hour before your inspection or however long, whatever time you've got, and make sure that those things are still in place. That might save you a journey because if they say, no, sorry, my mother's pop round and she's having to stay for one reason or another, you might decide, well, I'm not going to do that inspection anyway. So that could save you time. Anyway, moving on. To great point. Mm. There's a lot of pressure on fees at the moment. And this is just another one. I mean, you can talk about PI if you like. PI is going up and we don't know by how much because we haven't had our quote in yet. So that's going to bring pressure on fees. But the other thing is that if you're going to take extra time to do the job, you're, that has to be reflected in the fee. You have no choice about that. You have to cover your time. So I can see, I mean, I hesitate to put a percentage on it, but I can see fees going up by sort of, I don't know, 20 30% quite easily. Jeff, what about you? Well, I remember the days of the construction design management when that first came in, and there was an industry levy of... I think it was, for health and safety. So I think that's what I'll do. There's my fee. That's my percentage for VAT. That's my percentage for health and safety. And just say, well, there you are. It's transparent. And that's that's how we arrive at it. Because my view of pricing is never go down, never compete on price. You deliver value. You discover what the value is. And people will pay for value. They will pay they will not pay for things that they don't think is of any use. And if, if, if they w- want something badly enough, if they think it's worth it, then they will pay for it. And I don't think people should integrate this into their fees at all. Um, I think it should be made transparent to the client that there is a fee for this. It's a percentage. 
and and just and do it like that. Be, you know, the only thing I think people might do is to encourage people back as the flow of inquiries come in. I'm basically saying to people, well, look, you know, we can't do anything now, but if you want to go on my waiting list, and you know, we will put you at the head of the queue. And seeing as you've come through as a referral from somebody else, we'll give you a discount. But we do that to make sure they're encouraged to stay so that there is some kind of work pattern at the end. And I think to be able to smooth out the bumps can be useful to say to people, look, if you bear with us, we, you know, we will make that worth your while. But but um the pressure on fees, I think, is is when people realize they're not actually giving good value, that you're simply just trying to do a volumes job and Smaller companies struggle with that against the big guys. The big guys can throw hundreds of millions of pounds at hundreds of thousands of surveys, which they think a computer can do. Whereas the people on the ground coming to smaller firms actually want that hand-holding. They want that expertise. They want to know that they have employed a surveyor. I, I answer the phone saying, this is Jeff, your surveyor. Your surveyor. I am your surveyor. And I don't let go until you're happy. Yeah, and, and so Jeff, so coming back to, you know, you mentioned adding value and this sort of being an opportunity again for SMEs to show that they really can add value because you've got yeah. to work in a in a different way and know yeah. why you're in business and what you offer customers and why it's different and why you're worth the extra pounds yeah. and pennies. It's a yeah. real fo- time for SMEs to focus on their on their business, isn't it? Definitely, and and to to really get get reengage with those local agents and local solicitors and local tradesmen, you know, you know, get it all back going again. Say that we are the local experts, and that's that's what you that's what you've come to us for, basically. Um, and I think that is the that is definitely the you know the unique selling point for for the smaller firms. Um, it's it's interesting because during downtime, whilst everybody say downtime, some of us have been working really hard. Um, uh, we've been working. We've had um, quite a few inquiries from people, uh, not just on CPD, and everybody's doing the free RICS CPD, but we've had quite a few inquiries from people on actually understanding their businesses. And one of the things Blue Box does do is support SMEs uh, on on all things that they they need. But we've had quite a few inquiries on uh, helping with social media presence, with how to structure your business, how to get contacts, referrals, all of those things. So, uh, and that's why we're actually going to run our second pilot. We did a pilot earlier on in the year for uh, called the SME Business Hub. I'm not very creative with my names, but we're going to do that again because things have have moved on. So it's a good time for people to start to focus on that. Alan, anything from you on that? Ah, oh, gosh me! Where do we start? <laughs> so many things down there. It's it, Alan. It, it's such a big subject, isn't it? It is such massive. A big subject. I, I'm absolutely with Jeff in terms of quality is what we sell, and it's just looking after your customer and giving them a level of service that that is good. And whilst we don't take advantage by, you know, cranking the fees up until the pips squeak, because we have a scale that we'll adjust upwards if we find we're never losing anything on price. But at the end of the day, we generally will will say a similar message that Larry gives, you know, we're probably not the cheapest. But the nice thing is if you get recommendations, generally speaking, you can convert them. And as long as you're not greedy, that's fine. And I really like Jeff's idea about, well, okay, because of the special circumstances now, we have added a 10% surcharge because of the extra time in processing. I think that's important, though, Alan, to explain what it's for, not that you're just charging on extra money. Oh, no, I think that's great. That's why I'm I'm stealing your idea, Jeff. Sorry, mate. Thanks. (laughs) You go with it. (laughs) That's fine. Just fell out of my head, to be honest. But yeah, I've I've struggled with this for quite some time about you know where do people fit their fees. And the best bit of advice I ever gave is if somebody phones you up and they say, "Oh, I'm sorry, that that terribly sorry, that's expensive. I'll I'll come back to you." What you want the scenario you want is that they are around their dinner table going, oh, "Did you get surveyed?" And yeah, we did. Um, where, who did you go with? We went with Surveyor B. We wanted to go with this guy Jeff Hunt, but we couldn't afford him, so we went with Surveyor B instead. That's the best piece of advert you're ever going to get. Yeah. It, it's called the Mercedes effect. You know, yeah. people. If you're if you are expensive, and you and people can see why you are expensive because you are good value. Just because they don't go with you, 
doesn't mean to say that they wouldn't want to. And that's the best place. What you don't want is people saying, oh, I went with Sophia C. Yeah, it was cheap, but my God, it was rubbish. I don't know why I bothered. Never do that again. And, you know, that's not the way you want to do it. And so I think if people are saying, you know, what's happened with your surveyors, they said, well, that, they said this amount. And then they said, oh, by the way, there'll be an additional 1%, 2% charge because of the COVID processing. And we just went with it. We thought, well, fair enough. We wanted yeah. everybody to be safe. So, yeah, we, we said that's fine. And I, I think when you, if, you say, if you call it like a, a safe tax, I think people would perhaps go with that. I don't know. Call it what you like. Well, we've got to get curious about it and try these things. And we, if we don't, we, you know, we don't learn, do we? One of the things I want to, um, is there anything you want to say on that, Alan? Anything more? Uh, no, no, that's uh, fine. That. Thank you. Yeah. One of the things I just want to round off on is, I, I guess, this the stress that SMEs might be under right now. I mean, we know SMEs are under a lot of pressure anyway, just because there's there's small businesses and the way that you you know the way that sort of we operate. But everything that's happening right now has really turned the screw, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, have any of you had times when you've been under stress and you found ways to cope, or any recommendations or advice you'd give for people out there right now, Chris? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I don't um, I don't get stressed anymore. I'll only take on the work that I want to take on when I want to take it on. I'm not going to be under pressure to do so many valuations in a day because like others on here, I charge what I feel is the correct rate for a professional doing a professional job. And if people don't want to pay that, that's fine. They can go and find somebody else. I don't mind. So, yeah, pressure is something that um, a lot of people are susceptible to, and that's understandable because they want to be seen to be doing or, or, or helping as many people as possible. But I prefer to help fewer people in a better way. That's my philosophy. Hmm. Yeah, can, I thought it's great discussion from, from uh, all three of you. And, and as, as you all know, I'm not a proper surveyor, really. You know, I've been masquerading in, in, in this, with this mask on. And so the fees I charge and, and, and those sort of normal business models that you follow aren't as relevant for me. But what I do see is the people I train and I contact with, whether that used to be face-to-face at sort of conferences or on the hub or online or, you know, by personal contact, is pressure is not only about fees, although it is, and there's a lot of people in our tribe, i.e. SMEs, sole traders, that haven't earned anything, like nothing, zilch, since 23rd of March or before. And they're really worried and they're really worried and anxious about that and about what that could do to the families, could lose the business, could lose that. Also, and, and I know it's something Alan's mentioned before in conversations we've had elsewhere, is they're also scared and lost confidence. I'm shielding. I haven't been out since, um, past my front gates since um, before lockdown, 18th, 19th of March. And, do you know what, Phil? Mm, you have got a cracking tan. Oh, yeah, garden. garden. I'm looking at you now. I've been in the sun in in South Yorkshire for God's own county, you know, for four days, almost continuously. Sunburn has been my biggest challenge. But it's in there. And listeners, I'm pointing to my head. It's the stress and anxiety. It's the loss of confidence of can I go out through that gate? I've never seen a social distancing queue at a shop. There's all of these things that you have witnessed probably every day that I have never witnessed apart from on the news or through description. Now, it seems to me that I'm not unusual in in our profession. There's lots of us a little bit older. You know, the average age is, what, 57, mainly men. So we're vulnerable, more vulnerable than women statistically, I think, in in, in this respect. So it's going to take a lot of rebuilding. And and it's going to be a two-speed profession. There's going to be quite a significant chunk of us that are unable to go out on the 13th or any time we choose. And one would argue until testing and tracing and other therapies and and things like that are are far more established than they are now, then, then we won't be able to go out for maybe months. So, so that's the thing I'm, I'm really worried about. It's the mental 
health issues that, that are occurring or happening and, and will continue to have an effect on us. That's so important, Phil. And there's a few things I recognise there. Not so much of myself, although I've only been out um, a couple of times. Uh, my son is 10 and he is so anxious about leaving the house. I can hardly get him in the garden because he heard Boris on the news saying stay indoors. And and there'll be lots of us that have different anxieties. And, you know, we won't know it until we go out, really. So a couple of things, I think, just picking up on, on some of the points you and, uh, and Chris have, have raised. Firstly, Lionheart. Not to forget Lionheart is a fantastic support to us as chartered surveyors or as members of surveyors and they're there to help anybody who's struggling they also offer financial assistance and i'll link to an earlier podcast uh, that i did with uh, with lionheart uh, and put their their website in the uh, in the show notes because they're they are off, able to offer financial assistance to surveyors so that's an important route and also i think one of the things i think it's time for us to all look at is our values which might sound a bit fluffy and airy-fairy, but our values and, and, and what's important to us. Because if we know what our values are, it's a lot easier for us to stand up to for them and to them. And we know where our boundaries are over what we will and won't do. And that makes it a hell of a lot easier to say, no, I'm not going in that property. Or no, I'm not going to do that job for a really low fee dead quick. You know, it, it helps us, gives us some strength and that helps us make it easier to say yes as much as no what about you Jeff any thoughts on that yes yeah I've experienced in my life having not a penny to rub together and um knowing what it is to be desperate yeah it's not not a nice place it's really not a nice place and I think if anybody is in that place then you're not alone it happens it happens in your life it's part of your life journey don't don't feel ashamed because it's happened to you but do try and get some sort of help in, in getting your mind in a space where you can really react in the right way. Being anxious and being scared is all, you know, is part of life, but you do come through it and, and it does work. And I, I, I always think that these sort of things boil down to, can I afford to be obedient? That sounds like a terrible thing to say, but it does balance up that balance between practical finance and survival and your moral obligations and that's a kind of a question that you can ask yourself and it's a really great balancing act it's a very quick balancing act because you can catch yourself going yeah i'll do that and then you can catch yourself and i think that is the key thing make sure you catch yourself before you go and do something that you may regret but the fact you've thought about it don't don't be ashamed of that we all we all think about it it's called survival and um but try and find a, a mechanism to which you can sit back and think right i've just thought that thought what am i now going to do about it and you know if you are at pressure at work and think you know should i not do that final thing am i brave enough to do that you know then sit back and, and have a good think about that phone someone talk it through and and then you, you will make the right decision i i think you you will do that you can trust yourself but don't feel ashamed because you thought a bad thing or thought you did because it's being human. And that's the ultimate thing. Mor morals are great when you can afford them. Um, it's much harder to be moralistic when you're skint. That's that's the lessons I've learned <laughs> in life. <laughs> it is. It is. And, you know, that's where when you've got to put, you know, bread on the table and feed your family and, you know, there's some real sort of, heart versus head versus roof over your head moments for a lot of people and that is the absolute reality and equally we've got to think about what we can do and I see a lot of surveyors just thinking well I can't do the surveys that I used to do but there are so many things that we can do right now to be uh, you know lining work up in the pipeline ready for when you know things are better giving verbal consultations to people you know consultancy you know, we can give advice to people, general advice to people over the phone. And that makes a massive difference, particularly for people who might be sort of stuck in the chain right now. There are so many opportunities, and but it's really hard when you're looking the wrong way and you're not thinking wider and you're, you're stuck in that spiral. It is a horrible and, and many of us have, have, uh, have been there. Absolutely. Alan, anything from you on that last point? Great advice from Jeff. Really 
very much that that spirit you know you in maybe in the past a similar situation may have arisen where there was a a valuation that you weren't comfortable about getting involved with you thought there was something untowards happening in this and you think yeah but it's a nice fee and that is that again that same question that you come across you say well can i can i afford to take this job and you think no i can't it just stops you to say no fine stop here because this time you might actually be damaging the health of your family or some stranger whatever it may be and so the price to pay could may not even be a price you pay personally but i think it's very important that you have the opportunity to think take a step back and be i don't know i don't know about the bravery thing uh, i think it's about it is about confidence phil spoke about confidence um, and confidence comes from knowledge and so yeah great great suggestion jeff ring phone a friend phone another surveyor phone line hub, whatever it may be get on the surveyor hub yeah why not so this this podcast has been i don't want to say doom and gloom but it's been quite a serious topic for us to talk about and we're generally quite a fun bunch so is there anything you've found funny over the past few months is there anything that you've that you've learned any moments of gratitude i think phil's probably going to be his suntan but is there anything that you've that positives that you can get out of this yeah, I'm looking forward to retirement. <laughs> I just had six weeks of retirement, and I'm looking forward to it permanently. <laughs> There'll be a lot of people actually struggling to go back to work proper, I bet, yeah. Yeah. I, I think just the, the, the amount of information and the training that is available on the internet, these academies that, that have come up, and I've done lots of it, and, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So I, I've enjoyed that. I haven't done I haven't done any at all. I've just been so busy. <laughs> well, yes, any. I'm so jealous. <laughs> you are so busy, Marion. I'll have to get I'll have to get something in. But you know, there should be some really skilled people coming out of this with all the CPD that they've done. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're also going to be we're going to be surveying some fantastic gardens as well. I think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the gardens yeah. are amazing now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you can see that in the report. Yeah, the garden was lovely. <laughs> there'll be no there'll be no defects because everybody's been, been doing the DIY. Been painting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you, yeah. Phil? Well, uh, what I was going to say is nothing to do with surveying, really, is fantastic neighbours. Yeah, you know, not an acquaintance and things like that. And um, I, I suppose because we've, uh, I mean, we live quite city centre in Sheffield, so it's a very mixed community. It really is, you know, all different sort of heritages and cultures close by. And um, because we let it be known where we're shielding, um, I, I think we've been adopted by the neighbourhood as the, the token old people, which is a, quite a strange, quite a shock to be in that thing. <laughs> and, and like little 50, well, like little 15 year old young women knocking on the door, uh, we're going down the shop. Do you want anything? you know, sort of in that loud voice that you do to pensioners <laughs> and things like that. But it's fantastic. It, it, it really, it's, it's sort of been the making of the neighbourhood in a way, uh, as, bet, well as, yeah. as, as well as some sadness as well, sadly, in our immediate neighbourhood. But, um, but yeah, yeah, that's been positive. Yeah. What about you, Alan? A um, couple of interesting little things that have changed in our immediate environment here. Uh, one is that the hotel car park uh, is now the playground of the children in the barn conversions that are at the bottom of the lane. And they all come up as individual families and play on their bikes and everything. And then they finish and the next family comes up and the kids then play on it and they mess around in the river and then they go back and then the third family comes up and their kids play around in the river and everything. So it's it's rather nice to be watching kids playing through my office window. And I suppose the second thing related to the hotel is is that it's um, obviously the hotel is closed and their restaurant is closed, but they operate a takeaway service. So it's rather cool that now we've, we've got um, the Portuguese restaurant takeaway service. And it's, it's quite hilarious that they walk around one door, knock on the bell, stand two meters back and say, your takeaway, sir. So, um, you know, that's, that's interesting. Uh, so we can still eat next door, but in our dining room. I think the thing, one of the, I absolutely agree on the whole community spirit, Phil, that one of the things that I've done 
is um which I see as a bonus is I set up a little library box outside my garden, uh, uh, just uh, outside my garden gate. And I've got rid of over like a hundred and odd books that I had in the loft that I've collected over the years. And they range from everything from chick lit to some serious stuff. I've got a huge pile of um, old surveyor technical books that I didn't put in there. But um, I've got rid of loads of books. But the icing on the cake well, was just two things, really. One, I managed to get rid of and I have no idea why I owned it, but a style guide by Colleen Rooney, Wayne Rooney's <laughs> wife. <laughs> it, took, it took about three weeks, but someone did take it. And, and I mean, I actually paid about a tenner for it from Tesco for, for some bizarre reason a number of years ago. And the bit of style advice I remember from it was, wear a belt, it'll make your waist look thinner. <laughs> yeah. So somebody in somebody in my hometown has um, has got that. But I got uh yesterday I got a lovely lovely note from somebody a note through my door from somebody who's been taking some of the books and just how it sort of made a bit of a difference because her library's closed and she's passed them all from her neighbors and all these things and I just thought oh do you know what that's it that's lovely that's my little sort of souvenir I'm going to put that on my put it on my wall somewhere tiniest writing it was a tiny writing. I've got terrible writing, tiny writing, but it's such a lovely thing for someone to say thank you that I just think, oh, I'll remember that now. That and obviously spending a bit more time with my kids has been good. So, yeah. Well, look, really great to talk to you all. And uh, many thanks for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Thank you. Good great, guys. You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast. We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com.